you'll want to get out your message outline while you're doing that. We had a presbytery uh, meeting yesterday, and uh, we had a presentation by uh, the chaplain ministries of the PCA, and good to report we have 300 PCA chaplains. About 50 of them are in uh, civilian chaplaincies, uh, the police departments, fire departments, hospitals, uh, marketplace ministries, which is chaplains in various corporations, uh, civil air patrol, uh, all sorts of things. And then about 250 are chaplains to the military. And uh, so we heard about them. Please pray uh, for those guys. Uh, one quick story. Uh, they made a bookmark for the chaplains just to get people to pray for them. And they sent them out to all sorts of places. And uh, Doug Lee, who's the head of the ministry and is a member of our presbytery, said he heard from a woman, it was like in Minnesota or someplace, and she got the bookmark at her church. Uh, she was on a retreat or something, and they handed out these bookmarks, and it showed a Navy chaplain uh, administering communion in Afghanistan to a group of Marines. She looked in the picture, and her grandson was in the picture receiving communion in Afghanistan. I just thought that was a really cool story. Um, so and so she was real excited, and he heard, and he said, you know, you never have any idea how God's going to work and how he's going to minister. And here, this uh, grandma in Minnesota uh, got to see this. So that was pretty cool. So our passage today is also pretty cool because it's about a promise. And so let's turn there to the end of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 20. You can look on in your own Bibles or in the outline. Or... But please, as you read along, please listen carefully because this is God's Word. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word and we do need it. We look to so many things to make our lives valuable, to make our lives meaningful, to make our lives worth living. And often when those things falter and fail, we only look to you as a last resort. Lord, work in our hearts and minds in such a way that we look to you first. We listen 
to you first. We find you first. And so this morning we pray by the power of your spirit that you would take this word and press it home, make our hearts believe as we just sang. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning we're at the end of Hebrews chapter 6. And so we're going to start by going to Genesis 22 because that just makes sense. And we're going to go to the story of Abraham. And hopefully uh, most of you will remember some of the story of Abraham. Because understanding Hebrews 6 depends on understanding Genesis 22. And the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. Now if you remember, God had promised Abraham a son through whom all God's people would be blessed. And Abraham believed God, and the Bible says that God credited it to him as righteousness. And the reality is that both Abraham and Sarah doubted God uh, at various times, and because of that doubt, so is born Abraham's first son, Ishmael. But Ishmael is not the son of the promise. That's Isaac, who's born later to Sarah. And so it comes to pass that all of God's promises to Abraham and all of Abraham's future now rests in his son Isaac. But there's a danger in that. And the danger is that Abraham's faith would come to rest partly in Isaac instead of totally in God. And Abraham needed to learn that his security is solely dependent on God and on God alone. So let me quickly sort of paraphrase the story in Genesis 22 uh, for you. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, when I first promised to give you a son and your offspring would be as numerous as the stars, you said you believed me. Was that true? Did you really mean it? Oh yes, says Abraham. Of course I meant it. Well, replied God, where does your faith rest now, Abraham? And you, Lord, Abraham, are you sure you find your security in me and not partly in Isaac? Oh, no, Lord, not in Isaac, only in you. Well, then, Abraham, God said, uh, I'm going to ask you to demonstrate that for me. Demonstrate that your security is only in me and in nothing or no one else. Abraham, give me Isaac. Actually, what God tells Abraham is to take Isaac and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah as a burnt offering. Now put yourself in Abraham's sandals for a minute. God has given you a miracle child, a child of the promise. And he says, all of my promises are bound up in this one person. Sacrifice him. And with all the horror of that, and all the feelings of betrayal, and all the emotional upheaval that's going on inside, Abraham does it. He goes up to Mount Moriah, and he brings Isaac, and he builds an altar and wood and gets stuff to, to do the whole thing. And he ties uh, Isaac to it and he gets out a big knife. And you know the rest of the story. God stops him. 
And God speaks to Abraham and tells him in Genesis 22, now I know, not now Sarah knows or your servants know or the Philistines know, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son. And with that, God garners up all of his previous promises, he renews them, and he confirms them with an oath that Abraham and all others whose faith is in God alone might enjoy the strong encouragement of absolute, unchangeable, and eternal security. And the significance of all this to the author of Hebrews is that now, up to now, God's repeatedly promised Abraham he would make a great nation from him. But now he has sworn an oath that he will keep his promise. So he's made the promises, but now he's sworn an oath that he's going to keep his promise. And that's how our passage begins in Hebrews 6. Look with me at verse 13. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham... Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And Hebrews 6 is quoting uh, the passage in Genesis 22. And the importance for that little band of persecuted Hebrew Christians comes in verse 15, where it says, And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. And that's the message for us. We will receive what he promised. That's the key to have the security that we all want. But if you stop and think about it, normally when we talk about security, what are we really talking about? Usually we're not talking about God. I don't think so. I don't think that's what we talk about uh, normally when we talk about the security we want the security we want and that's the problem when we talk about the security we want we're normally talking about other things things up close and personal things that are ours right here right now and for many people and perhaps for some of you security is tied up in your family that's what you want the most secure families that's the first blank there in your outline or at least it's supposed to be Most of us find our security, or at least some of it, in our families. It's the family which often serves as a refuge from all the blows of the world. It's to the family that we retreat to for safety and for encouragement and to be built up. But the reality is families can be pretty tenuous things. First of all, lots of families aren't making it today. All you have to do is look around at our community and you can see that families seem to be falling apart faster than we can count. Our community is full of people whose family has ceased to function. And second, even if you are in a great family and everything's perfect and it couldn't be better, it could always be better, but for the sake of argument, you have to realize families don't last forever. People grow up, leave. Sooner or later, we all die. And certainly, we're to love our families as much as we possibly can. But when all our security is tied up in our families, we're really not very secure. 
And that means when God takes a back seat to our family, we're laying down our security on a foundation of sand. And sooner or later, it'll shift. And we'll find our security is washed away with the sand. Now, for many other people, particularly in this area, perhaps for some of you, security is tied up in your finances. That's what you want the most, secure finances. Many of the people we know, people we work with, people we see every day uh, at the store in the neighborhood, working folk like cashiers and plumbers and teachers, trying to find their security in their finances. It's in having enough money that will be secure, that will be protected. And it's not just the CEOs and the Wall Street types. It's the average folk trying to make a living, fighting the commute, putting in the overtime, all to ensure that we'll be secure. And so we run to work, and we 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 work, chasing that dream of financial security. And our community is full of people who worship their work. Because it's their work where they've placed their security, and because it's their work which holds the key to their financial well-being. But finances are never enough. The wealthiest people in the world aren't secure enough. If putting your security in your family is building on the sand, then putting your security in your finances is like building in the ocean itself. The economy goes up and down, back and forth, and your security goes with it. I'll never forget during the dot-com crash in 2001, one of the women in our church called me crying hysterically. I can't believe what's happening. I'm watching my kids' college education go down the drain. Her kids were in elementary uh, school age, as were some of ours at the time. And I don't remember exactly what I said. It was something to the effect of, you know, there's a lot of time before they'll be going to college. Things will probably change. We should probably just trust God more than ever. And her response was, I'll never forget this. Trust God. We've lost thousands this was a strong Christian woman. And I remember saying, I don't know. Maybe God doesn't want our kids to go to college. Maybe God wants us to be poor. I have no idea. So we just need to pray and trust God that he'll provide for us and take care of our kids. And she said, yes, but what can I do? Just panic. She just panicked. And you know, later to her credit, she came around and said, I, I kind of got over it, and, you know, the next week I was better, and all of that. But you see, when God takes a back seat to your finances, when you hold back to make sure you have enough, you never have enough. And slowly and subtly, giving becomes a chore, and God becomes distant, and church becomes difficult, and you're off and running, leaving spiritual things in the dust. God knew how hard it would be to not to place your security in your finances. So like asking Abraham to give up Isaac, he asks us to give up our hold on our money. Why? Because he needs it? I don't think so. It's all his anyway. 
He asked us to give it to him because it forces us to place him first in our lives. And he doesn't ask for all of it. He just asks us to acknowledge that it's really his by giving 10%. And then it's clear, mostly to us, that we're trying to put God first. Maybe that's not you either. Maybe for you, like it is for many people, particularly in this country, security is tied up in your emotions. And that's what you want the most, is secure feelings. Perhaps you got this whole security thing down. You love your family, you appreciate your finances, but you feel pretty good that your security is not falsely placed there. But perhaps that's part of the problem for you. You find your security in your feelings. It's not your down feelings. It's your up feelings. You're confident. You're self-assured. You're not facing the same problems everybody else seems to be struggling with, and you just wish they would get tough and suck it up and deal with it like you do. Friends, if that describes you, then your security is the flimsiest of all because your security is in yourself. It's in your own ability, your own wisdom, and your own pride. And sooner or later, all of those will fail and fall apart, and you'll be left with nothing. And everyone else will be watching, and some will say it was bound to happen, and some will say it's about time. But it really won't matter much then, will it? Feelings change all the time. They provide no foundation at all. They get blown here and there. If your security's in your feelings, then your security's in the air, getting blown around by the wind, praying the wind doesn't turn into a tornado. And when God takes a back seat to your feelings, he's really taking a back seat because you've not just put God in the back, you've put yourself in the front. God's not going to tolerate the worship of other gods, especially if you make that God out to be yourself. And God's word teaches us that the security we want even if we falsely place it in family or finances or feelings, is nothing compared to the security we have. It's nothing compared to the security we have. As we read Hebrews 6, we don't see God talking about finding our security in our families, and our finances, our feelings. Rather, the solution to our security problem is to find our security in the Lord. And this passage teaches us we find our security three ways. First, we have the security of God's promises. The security of God's promises. Look at verses 13 through 15. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Now, it's all right for someone to make a promise, but how can we be sure it's worth believing? How can we be sure they'll actually keep their promise? Well, we can't. And we all know that we've all broken promises at one time or another. Now, sometimes people confirm the reliability of their promise by adding an oath to the promise. And that's what God has done for his people in order to encourage their faith. He has given us his promises, and then he's confirmed them with an oath. And he didn't just say it, 
He wrote it down when he gave us his word, and we have God's promises in black and white. The Bible is full of God's promises all written down so we don't have to guess at them. And to prove their reliability, God's already kept quite a number of his promises. He promised us a Messiah, a Redeemer in the Old Testament, and he kept his promise in the New Testament by sending his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The promises of God are totally trustworthy, and he proves it with his Son. Another way we find security that God has already given us is through the security of God's purposes. Security of God's purposes. Look at verses 16 and 17. It says, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it, with an oath. Look at verse 17 again. God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose. God wanted us to have no doubts about the purposes of God. He wanted us to be sure that he would do what he said he was going to do, that he would carry out everything he intended to carry out from the beginning of time he would accomplish all that he desires to accomplish. And that's why God swore the oath by himself, because there is no one greater to swear by. And he wants the heirs of the promise. And according to Galatians 3, that's us. To look to God for fulfillment, and without a doubt, we can. Because God's promises and God's purposes are based on the solid rock foundation of God's holy and righteous character. The attributes of God, his grace, his glory, his love, his holiness, are the bottom line. So we can trust in God's purposes and believe in God's promises simply because it is God who makes them. And third, we find the security that God has already given us in the security of God's priests the security of God's priests. Look at verse 18 through 20. He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, a promise and an oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So again, let's go back, reread verse 19, which tells us we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. We can be secure in the promises of eternal life because God keeps his promises. Because our hope has gone before us into the inner sanctuary, into the presence of God, in the person of Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest. And that hope is set before us. Now, we are strangers in a strange land. Ultimately, this is not our home. And like Abraham, we're wandering pilgrims in a wilderness waiting to get to the promised land. 
one of my favorite books in the last few years was an introduction to theology, and it was titled Pilgrim Theology, that we're going to be pilgrims as we go. But this passage says God has secured our future. He has taken an anchor and thrown it forward through the curtain that separates this world from the next so that our hope in heaven is secure. And the anchor that secures it is Christ. With Christ going before us, there can be no doubt as to the total trustworthiness of God's purpose and God's promise. With Christ as the anchor for our souls, and Christ is our great high priest before God in heaven, there is no need to fear. God never fails. God gives us what we want by telling us what we have. And when you believe that, then you'll discover the security we have is the security we need. The security we have is the security we need. You want security. You want to find it in your family and for your family, but you can't. Then find that security in the promises of God. God's promises are for God's covenant people. When parents bring a baby down here for the sacrament of baptism, what do they do? They claim God's covenant promises for their child. We are covenant people. The church is God's covenant family. We claim God's covenant promises. God knows your security is found at home, so he promises you a new home, a better home. That's why the Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter 3, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. By the way, the adult Sunday school class will be studying First and Second Peter this summer, which should be great. You want security. Maybe you want to find it in your finances, but you can't. Then find that security in the purposes of God. Rather than invest all your time and energy in things that won't last, invest for eternity. Because when you put your time and money into the purposes of God, not only will you see the things of God with new eyes, you'll see people's lives changed. You'll see your own life changed. That's why the Apostle Paul teaches us Philippians 2, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Some versions say for his good purpose. It's better to follow his purpose than your plans anyway. Proverbs 19, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And we're preaching on Proverbs this summer. So it's kind of a two-for-one deal here. Finally, if you want security, you want to find it inside, in your emotions, in your feelings, and you can't. Find that security in God's chosen priest, in Christ himself. For all the purposes of God and all the promises of God are summed up in the person of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses says it far better than I ever could in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. 
for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him we enter, our, we utter our amen to God for his glory, and it's God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and has put his seal on us and has given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Do you understand what the writer of Hebrews is saying here? We are already secure. God can make us secure in our families. God can make us secure in our finances. God can make us secure with our feelings because God has already given us his promises. God has already given us his purposes. God has already given us a great high priest in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, we're going to finish way early today, so I'm just going to bank all those minutes, okay, for the future. Just the, uh, when you deal with these kind of issues, issues like families, everybody's sensitive about their families, and issues like finances, and everybody's sensitive about finances, and issues like your feelings and emotions, and, you know, everybody's afraid that somehow I can look inside. I can, but, you know, just so you know. Um, but things that are just, you know, up close and personal, it's hard not to step on a few toes. And I'm sure I may have done that with some of you this morning. I'm sure that a few of you are thinking the preacher's gone to Medlin again. But it reminds me of going to the doctor, you know, for a checkup. And the doctor does his doctor thing and begins to poke and push and prod various places. And finally he hits that spot and you cry out in pain. Now one of two things has happened. Either the doctor's not very good at what he does or more likely there's something wrong. And then he says something to the effect of we better check this out because it's not supposed to hurt there. And I guess that's a little of what I feel, you know, when I preach on some of these issues and somebody's feelings get hurt or they're overly sensitive about their family situation or they get put out because I've talked about finances again and their giving isn't where it should be and they know it. And then for one reason or another, they feel hurt. They're in sort of discomfort. Well, either I've pushed too hard or perhaps there really is something wrong. And in that case, I need to say, friend, we're in need of the great physician, the comforter, the healer, the priest. We need Jesus. And we had better get this checked out because it's not supposed to hurt there. And so if it hurt this morning, you better check it out a little more closely because perhaps I've pushed too hard and you need to tell me or maybe there's something wrong because it's not supposed to hurt there. And the reason is simple. God has already given you what you want, security, by giving you what you have, nothing less than Christ himself. And that's enough. That's enough. Think about that. Thank God for that. You need to pray. Take a moment to do that, and then I'll close. Together. Our Lord and our God, thank you that you have spoken to us by your Son. 
Thank you that the security we want is the security we already have, and that's what we need most of all. Thank you that our security, our hope, is anchored in Christ Jesus. Thank you that you have given him to us as our great high priest. So this morning, drive these truths that we are to trust in Christ, find our security in Christ. Drive those into our hearts. Help us to believe. Help us to trust Jesus, because Jesus is better. Amen. About 25 years ago, Joanne and I were at a small church in Massachusetts, and we had nursery uh, duty. Uh, we were on the schedule, and uh, there was one little particularly wild boy in the nursery named Jake Armerding, and he's the guy who just adapted that hymn we just sang. So perhaps you have a wild child in the nursery or a children's church. Maybe he or she will grow up to adapt hymns for the church. Receive God's blessing. For as many of, of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. God bless you. We'll see you next week.